You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, Episode 8. Today we kick off with a mixed bag of topics, including some notable announcements from Rogers and OPEC's agreed production cut. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, we review a viewer question on profitable and growing TSX venture-listed specialty pharma stock Biosynth, similar RX on the TSX Venture, and in our Stars and Dogs segment. This week we review this year's largest Canadian IPO retailer, Aritzia, and industrial chemical manufacturer, Conexus Corporation. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed, or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Keystocks, and on Facebook. Now let's dig into the show. I would again like to welcome my co-host, Keystone's Senior Equity Analyst and a father of one, and a man who is crossing his fingers in hopes this will be the year he finally gets a chair to turn on the 11th season of NBC's The Voice, Mr. Aaron Dunn. Yes, thank you, Ryan. I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful. Well, you've heard me sing, so do you think I stand a chance? You're an angel. Yes. Uh, voice of an angel, at least. Yeah. And, thank you. Uh, thank I, you. I think that this year, uh, somebody will finally turn for you. Excellent. Probably Miley Cyrus. That's All right, enough with that. Let's get on with the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Ryan, you're going to talk about some, some news stories today. Why don't we start off with um, announcements from Rogers, some cuts last week. Yeah, Rogers uh, canceled their Show Me streaming video service, uh, the video streaming stepchild of Rogers Communications and Rogers, or Shaw Communications and Rogers, which was launched just under two years ago as a kind of homegrown competitor to Netflix. Now, the service this past week was announced to be shutting down on November 30th. Now, it appears Show Me really just could not compete for the content, uh, and that's key in, in this streaming business. It really shows us Netflix status as a dominant international brand in the video streaming industry. It's really become the quote-unquote Kleenex of the category. Now, this first mover advantage that, the, that Netflix got, uh, moving first, obviously, in this category has been huge for the company. The question now becomes, how long will Bell's, uh, Bell's Crave TV last? Now, Rogers also announced last week it will cut some long-standing magazines, uh, print, the print editions, and uh, sell some of its publications. For me, it's another Bell that's tolling in the traditional print media. Um, the company said Friday that magazines, uh, including Flair, Sportsnet, Money Sense and Canadian Business that have been around for decades will go exclusively digital starting January. Their content will also be available on the web and through apps. Beginning in January, McLean's, the venerable old magazine, will be will go to a weekly publication from monthly with the new content posted digitally each week. For, uh, for me, I hope there's still room for some high-quality vetted content, but it appears it will be delivered in different formats and vetted by the crowd rather than traditional editors via sites such as uh, the growingly popular Reddit. Uh, Reddit itself actually is a private company right now, but there's hints about it uh, potentially going public. They recently raised capital 
Uh, Reddit is a, f a company that aggregates content online, uh, but the company recently raised capital from investors such as rapper Snoop Dogg and actor Jared Leto. Again, we could see another new IPO for Reddit uh, in the new media space in the near future. Snoop would probably like to drop it when it's hot sooner rather than later and get those shares out on the market. Well, hey, if Snoop Dogg loves it, then then I'm all I'm all in. Well, he's a let's he's just let's just hope investor, he wasn't smoking right? his so. doctor prescribed meds when he when he made the investment decision. Doctors prescribed, of course, yes. yeah, in California. Anyways, mm. uh, on to uh, on to other news uh, of particular interest, maybe to oil investors. OPEC announced last week its first its first output cut in eight years. Yes, it's nice to see OPEC is still alive. Um, but OPEC is, of course, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, which is a union of oil-producing countries that regulate the amount of oil each country is able to produce, or at least loosely. Um, OPEC members include Saudi Arabia, Iran, and Iraq. The group is said to account to around 40% of current oil production. Now, its range that it cut down to the lower end of that range would drop around 750,000 barrels a day from what OPEC said it was pumping out in August. Uh, that is more than half of what is the forecasted increase in global oil demand. So the question then becomes uh, oil with oil jumping 5% uh, on the day that the news came out. Does this mean we should all just jump out there and start buying oil stocks again? What's your take on that, Aaron? Uh, well, you know, I, no, no. The short answer, no. Long answer, still no. It's not necessarily that I'm against having some oil in in the portfolio, but I think a decision like this really doesn't really doesn't do much um, for for oil investors here in Canada. Anyways, one of the important things to keep in mind is that this really has become a supply driven market as opposed to a demand driven market, which is what we saw when when oil was above hundred dollars. And it's it, in the demand driven market, supplies is trying to catch up. You know, the companies nations can produce as much as they want. Um, but when you're having to, when you're having to control, like the market that we're in right now, you're having to control supply just to stabilize prices. That's, that's a completely different animal. So even if this, for example, this deal with OPEC does move prices a little bit higher, there's definitely a cap on, on where they're going to go. And it's, I don't think it's going to be that much higher than the current price. When we see prices creep up much beyond the 50, $55 range, that's when I, I would expect production in the U S to start ramping up again, which is just going to put more supply on the market and that puts Canadian producers in a bad spot because as you know, Ryan, we, we don't have any access to international markets really. And we are a high, high cost producer here in Canada. Yeah, I would agree. And some other cautionary notes uh, on OPEC and on the supply situation in terms of oil. Uh, OPEC itself has a very poor record of enforcing quotas. I mean, a number of the countries in OPEC have a hard time agreeing with each other on topics as simple as whether or not the sky is blue. So, I mean, that's number one cautionary uh, item there. Number two would be, as Aaron noted, that U.S. shale producers start really ramping up production as prices approach the $50 a barrel, which puts a cap on the increase in, until demand really truly picks up. The third thing that we look at is Russia is becoming an increasingly large producer. Uh, they recently smashed a post-Soviet oil supply record, pumping 11.1 million barrels a day in September. That's up 400 
uh, up to 400 or up 400,000 barrels from August. So, I mean, OPEC may be cutting 750,000 barrels of oil, but uh, Russia is putting around 400,000 more on. Um, it doesn't net out to a large uh, supply increase uh, or a cut, sorry. Now, I'm going to permit Aaron to take this next, uh, this next topic here. It's your stock, our take. Uh, we're going to look at Biosynth, think RX on the TSX venture. Yeah. So once again, this is uh, this is a company sent in from one of our listeners, uh, listed on the TSX venture exchange under the symbol RX. Biosent, it's a profitable, growth-oriented specialty pharmaceutical company. And what they do is they license, they acquire innovative pharma, pharmaceutical products um, that have already been successfully developed and tested, um, and have a proven proven track record. So Biosent, what they what they specifically focus on are products with less than twenty million um, in annual peak revenue. And the reason why they they target this number is because it allows them to fly under the radar at big pharma companies, which are are typically looking for for larger um, products to to purchase and license. So this 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 gives them somewhat of a competitive advantage, and and they have executed on this strategy quite well. They have a great balance sheet, lots of cash, and 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 short term investments. Uh, 10.4 million in cash and short-term investments. That's 73 cents per share, about 12% of the current market cap. Um, revenues were up 22% uh, in the last quarter, Q2, to 4.4 million. Um, fully diluted EPS was 7 cents, up from 6 cents in the year before. Over the past 12 months, the company has is, is reported earnings per share EPS of 27 cents compared to 25 cents in the 12-month period before that. So look, we, we really like the business and the focus on being profitable while growing. We've interviewed management and we like the team behind the business. Our only issue right now is, is valuation. The valuations of the company are quite rich, about 29 times trailing earnings. And earnings have only grown at about 8% over the last 12 months. There's also some some negative. Uh, there also is some pretty heavy negative sentiment towards pharma stocks right now, um, which is has this one you know well well below its its, its highs about a year and a half ago. So at the current range, at the current price and valuation, we we would consider it overvalued for us, even even though it it, it is a quality business. We do like it long term. If we could purchase this company at a more attractive valuation, then it would be something that we would definitely consider. What we would be looking at is is likely valuation um, twenty times or under, which is uh, still a pretty significant drop from where it is right now at almost thirty times. Yeah, and we thank uh, the listener for sending that in. Uh, it is a type of company that we are looking for. There's good growth. Uh, historically in terms of earnings revenues uh, it has a great balance sheet um, and it's you know it's a profitable business it's just whether is that business now trading at a reasonable price Um, if it continues to grow at a tremendous rate then yes it is but it's hard to grow at 29 30 50 times earnings uh, year over year over year so good company uh, decent but probably a little bit overvalued in our opinion in the near term uh, given the caution that we have in this in, in the pharma market right now, but uh, you know, again, thanks for sending that in. That's the type of business that we definitely like to look at and keep sending your questions in for your stock. Our take. Now we're going to look at this week's star of the week from our 
Stars and Dogs segment, it's time for this week's Star. Uh, that would be Aritzia Inc. ATZ on the TSX. Aritzia just started trading this Monday and the stock was up that day 10% alone. Based out of Vancouver, BC, Aritzia is a design house and fashion retailer of exclusive brands for women aged from 15 to 45. Now, my girlfriend who loves uh, the product, the company itself, will be happy to know she still falls well within the target market range, age range. It was founded in 1984 and Aritzia now has 75 retailers across North America and a solid e-commerce business at aritzia.com. And we took a look at the company. The growth in terms of revenues has been excellent over the past 12 years. The company has posted annual compound growth rate of 20.6%, which again is a great track record. Net income is growing over the last four years at a rate of around 32%. All of this led to Aritzia being Canada's biggest IPO of the year. Now, however, this was not a difficult feat in 2016 as the IPO market has been well to put it mildly, crickets. We have heard that the IPO was 10 times oversubscribed with fashionable investors trying to get their hands on shares, largely due to the true lack of good retail or consumer stories in Canada. It's a good business, uh, but we do see some red flags in the IPO. Uh, and in investing in Aritzia at its current prices uh, right now. Number one, the proceeds from the financing uh, were between 380 and 437 million. They are going mainly to the founder and to a private equity fund. None of the cash will be kept in the company. So for us, this may impact growth. Uh, we believe there may be another financing coming. So you know that will have to be a very accretive financing. So we, we'd say why not wait until that financing comes? It could be potentially dilutive. Number two, Despite the fact that the private equity fund and the founder are cashing out to a degree by selling uh, their shares in the IPO, the, uh, the Boston-based Berkshire Partners, which is the private equity fund, and the founder, Brian Hill, they retain 97% of the voting power through multiple voting shares, uh, which weren't part of the IPO. So despite cashing out you know, around $400 million, uh, in shares, they now still control 97% of the vote, voting shares of the company. We are not fans of this structure and caution that it leaves common shareholders at a disadvantage. Now, the current valuations are very high. The company trades at around 40 times trailing earnings. Yes, it's true, it's growing at a high rate, uh, but it is difficult to maintain that level, particularly given the fact that the company does not have a ton of cash in the bank for growth capital. And that's the fourth point here. There's 143 million in debt and just under 10 million in cash in the bank. Now the debt is sustainable given current cash flow, but to grow more aggressively, the company will either have to leather, lever up, um, which is not something we like to see a company do, especially in a fickle retail space, or it'll have to offer up more shares for sale. And that could be potentially dilutive. Company has very ambitious growth targets over the next five years. If the goals are reached, it could provide a tidy return. But uh, we see no need to jump in on the IPO. Often, we, you know, when we look at an IPO, this is at a 
a high point in a market or at an opportune time you see founders or investors cashing out to a degree uh, we'd rather monitor the company over the next year to two see if we can find a more opportune price and and we also went over some other uh, share structure uh, red flags that we've issued with the company that uh, we'll just monitor the company at this point we like the business probably buy some of their products uh, and, and they're closed for sure, but uh, we're not buying the stock right now, despite the fact that it was a star on Monday. Yeah, it's it's it is it is a good point that that you typically IPOs are are done at premium valuations because owners don't want to take their company public unless they're going to get a really good price for it. So that's that's something that investors yeah. have to. And you know, some IPOs work out well, but but they do tend to be um, somewhat higher risk overall. Um, but on to more more positive news is this week's dog, and we're gonna actually so positive. Yeah, so positive. Time for this week's dog. We're gonna we're gonna take a kind of a little bit of a different spin on on this week's dog. Um, the dog of the week is a company called Connexus. The symbol is CUS. But this is this story is really in regards to um, a takeover bid made by another company for Connexus. That other company is Chemtrade. Symbol is C H E dot U N, and Chemtrade is a company that we've been covering in the in the income stock report for about four years now. It's a pretty boring business, Chemtrade, but it does pay very nice dividend yield, and it has a stable cash flow profile. About every two to three years, they'll do a big acquisition, which moves cash flow per share higher. Um, the share price has been pretty stable, but it hasn't really done a lot over the past one to two years. You know, I'm not really sure about this transaction myself. I'm, I'm not 100% convinced. I will defer to management's judgment, management of Chemtrade, just because I do know that they they know the, the chemical business and they know these assets. Um, but one thing that I have liked about Chemtrade is that their business has been so stable over the years. We did a long-term analysis on them a while back and for over a 10 year period. And the volatility was pretty minimal over that period, even during the financial crisis of 2008. So we have no concerns about Chemtrade or their dividend. Connexus, on the other hand, is that's a totally different story. They were a market favorite about two years ago, but since then the share price has declined 85% due to several management blunders. Uh, I believe management has been changed up at least once over this period, maybe more. I know assets have been sold. The dividend was initially reduced and 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 shortly after that eliminated. Um, but Connexus over the years has not demonstrated the stability and cash flow that, that Chemtrade has. Looking at Connexus's recent financials, operating profit is down about 14% year to date. Last year it was up around 10%. For the year, uh, the year before that, it was down about 12, 12%. So there's, there's been a fair bit of volatility. But the balance sheet is really where I'm, I, I, I have my reservations about the, the company. It's, it's a bit of a mess. They've got nearly $600 million in debt. And their market capitalization is, is about half of that right now. But $350 million of that debt is short term, which means that it's going to be due over the next year. And there's a big working capital deficit. Clearly, Chemtrade in making the offer to acquire Connexus is, is seeing this as an opportunity to purchase assets um, on the cheap because, like I said, Connexus is down 85% over the last year. But the offer that Chemtrade is making is, is at an evaluation of about 8.5 times this year's operating profit. And when I factor in the debt level for Connexus, that huge debt level, it really the valuation doesn't sound that cheap to me. It's also only a 20% premium to the price that Connexus was trading at 
when the offer was made. So it's not a huge premium. The board of directors, they don't seem to even want to talk to Chemtrade about it. They have no interest. So Chemtrade has just recently, um, yesterday actually, brought the, the offer directly to shareholders. Once again, I'm going to defer to the management of Chemtrade to their judgment on, on this. If they want the asset, they, they've done a great job operating in the past, managing their business, making acquisitions. So I would defer to them on it. But for me, it's it's certainly not one that I would lose a lot of sleep over if they don't get it because I, I have some reservations. Uh, regardless, Canexus has definitely earned the, the title of being this week's dog. I would agree. And I'm going to have to give you credit on this one. Um, a few years ago, um, there was the question of in this segment in the Canadian market, whether to buy Chemtrade or Conexus. And uh, there was a number of analysts jumping on the Conexus train. And uh, I remember back at that time, Aaron, uh, and we fielded a number of questions from our clients as well as to which was the company, would we continue to own Chemtrade, which we owned at the time, or should we be buying Conexus? And Aaron was uh, steadfast in his opinion that Conexus was not a company to buy. And, and if you just look at the share prices over the last several years, um, you know, Chemtrade has significantly outperformed Conexus. So I'm going to give you some credit there where credit is due. I appreciate that. Yeah, and it's great to see our following growing uh, from our podcast. It's rewarding. So keep sending in your questions and any feedback you have for us. Uh, I'd love to respond to that and love to keep answering your questions. Uh, again, follow us on uh, SoundCloud, Facebook, on Twitter, and visit our website at www.keystocks.com to become a client. Uh, again, profitable investing. Profitable investing. Thank you.